Good morning, New Hope. Pastor John here, and it's so glad to be with you in our series, We, Not Us, Not Them. And this is the second part of the series, and I'm going to be speaking on the New Testament and race. This past March, my wife Erin and I got to go to the life celebration of a dear brother, a spiritual father, Pastor Joseph Sutton. And Joe was one of the most respected pastors on the north side of Minneapolis. I got to know Joe in the early days of my, my youth ministry at Park Avenue Methodist in South Minneapolis, and he uh, joined with me in, in my uh, development of the Dynamites Inner City Hockey Program and was a board member with me for my entire time in that organization. One of my favorite memories uh, and times with, with Joe was, was taking our kids down to the Inner City Christian Sports Camp uh, K-A-A, Kids Across America, down south of Branson in, in the southern hills of Missouri. And when we were going down there and we were getting close to that area, kind of the Ozark Hills of Missouri and, and Arkansas, Pastor Joe would, would uh, sternly warn the kids that these hills are filled with white supremacist KKK members or enthusiasts. And he said, don't be joking, don't, don't be running off. It was a somber word of the reality of racism there in those hills. And I remember him telling me he took a trip once driving down south through a couple states and he was pulled over four times. Not for anything, but just for the color of his skin. At the end of our life talk today, you'll hear a video from my brother, my friend, Samuel Watkins, who works at the Union Gospel Mission. And when we were down shooting this video, Sammy and I were, were reminiscing on the, the impact, of the gospel impact of the life of Pastor Joe. And Sammy was saying his kids, all his kids, are anointed. In fact, uh, you saw one of his kids if you were here on Mother's Day. We heard a great message from Pastor Wendy, and she had this hilarious video of an Amazon Alexa-like um, device that was like a mom uh, tell you how to clean your clothes, how to cook uh, device. And there was three actors, and the African-American actor is Joseph Jr. Sutton, Joe's son. Um, I remember Joe telling me that he hoped to be for his children what my father had been to me. And, and God answered that prayer. The light of Jesus is shining on his children. The gospel impact of his humble life is carrying through in his family. And I just praise God. What a joy, what a treasure that God has gifted me to be able to, to link arms uh, with this brother who's gone on to heaven, but his legacy is continuing. I just think that's a, a, a picture, a piece of heaven. When we can get that kind of unity, the perfect love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we can get a picture of that. God delights in that. And God wants us to be reconciled to him and reconciled to people across all nations. In our series, We, Not Us, Not Them, we'll see that this theme of biblical diversity, it, it runs through the Old Testament. It's carried in the ministry of Jesus. It expands in the church, and it's displayed beautifully, uh, panoramically in the picture of heaven of every tribe and nation. Pastor Bill did a wonderful job last week of starting us off in our series. 
um, in, in the Old Testament and race. And today we're fe- focusing on the New Testament and race. So here's our big idea for today. The theme of biblical diversity in the ministry of Jesus calls us to repent of any self-righteousness and reflect his glory among all peoples and all nations. Follow along as I read our gospel story today found in Luke 4, verses 24 to 30. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got it, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. The vision verses of New Hope uh, are taken from Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus does when he goes, uh, before this passage, he goes into the the temple and he enrolls the scroll, the scriptures, and he reads, right, of to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight to the blind, liberty to the Pressed. And Jesus says, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence today. And then he goes on to share the passage we just read. Well, why do the people get so upset and want to throw them off the cliff? Because Jesus points out that the great prophets Elijah and Elisha did not heal, did not provide for the Jews, but to the unclean Gentiles. And similarly, Jesus is pointing out in the very revelation of his purpose and his ministry in this declaration of this Isaiah 61 call, the call that New Hope has to live that out for the poor, for the prisoners, for the oppressed. That this message of freedom and healing and salvation is to be to all peoples, to all nations. So as we continue in this contentious topic of race, we again need to look to God's word as the final authority rather than our culture or our feelings to see what God's word says on New Testament and race. So first of all, from this story, from the gospel story, we need to watch out for a spirit of self-righteousness and favoritism. Why did the people on Jesus' hometown become so enraged? Because the Jews had allowed the spirit of of self-righteousness, this spirit of favoritism to creep into their hearts and their corporate identity. Pastor Tim Keller poignantly reveals, by choosing and blessing the Jews, he intended to bless all the families of the earth. The tragedy was that Israel twisted this doctrine of election into one of favoritism, became filled with racial pride and hatred, despised the Gentiles as dogs, and developed traditions that kept them apart. Jesus exposes the sin of racism when he told the crowd that his ministry was for all races. Similarly, Psalm 67 repeats the famous blessing, Moses' brother Aaron, that we find in, in number six, That, you know, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Uh, 
this is, it shows that we're to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing to all nations. Let's read that. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Well, in this we see two things. That first of all, we're blessed to be a blessing, to let the light that shines on us, right? To, to let that light shine on, on others. And who are we to, to bless? Well, we're to bless all peoples, all nations. That's the, from the very beginning. Um, that's from the Abraham blessing, right? You're going to be a blessing to all the nations. And, and Aaron's blessing in here, it's to, racism has no part in the kingdom of God. From the image of God, the Trinity, the call of Abraham, the, the blessing of Aaron, and Jesus' fulfillment of the kingdom of God is to bring people of every tribe and nation back to God. Over the Memorial Day weekend, I needed to get back out to Albuquerque uh, where my brother had lived. I needed to go one more time to wrap up some, uh, some business on his estate and uh, on his work business. And uh, I got out to Denver on a connecting flight and then realized, man, this is like the holiday weekend. And I got bumped from a flight uh, that was just way too full uh, going to Albuquerque. And, and God gave me a deep peace in that. And I'm like, okay, God, direct my steps. And so I had to make some adjustments, cancel my car rental in Albuquerque. And I, I went to the thrifty car rental right there in the Denver International Airport. And I, um, well, I needed to find a car to drive a thousand miles and go six and a half hours to Albuquerque, take care of a little business and drive back all in a 24-hour time frame. I had a wonderful conversation with a gal, Mimi, who was originally from Syria. She told me that earlier that day, she prayed that God would send someone to talk with her, to help her. As we started talking uh, and filling out the forms, we realized that both of our fathers had died of esophageal cancer. Both of our fathers went into the hospital in their birthday month of March, and they passed away so quickly within that month of March. She asked if I would pray for her. And right there at the car rental counter, I got to pray for Mimi and ask God to bless her and lead her and give her wisdom if she's to go back to her home country of Syria. I got in the car and I was just struck by the goodness of God. God had answered my prayers. I asked him to direct my step. I asked him earlier in that day, God, make me a vessel. I had been reading Psalm 67 the day before that we're blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. And here, I was able to bless Mimi from Syria. And in the text today, it talks that Naaman, healed, Naaman was healed from Syria to bless all the nations. I was driving in the car and I was so struck by God's goodness. There was on the radio a story from Susie Larson's podcast about four years ago, Your Powerful Prayers. Story of a pastor visiting in Ohio, walking down the street, and here's a phone ringing in a phone booth and he decides to answer it and the operator asks for him. A woman was going to commit suicide, prayed to God, remembered this pastor she had heard before. And said, God, it would be nice to talk to him. Numbers came into her head. She called those numbers. He just happened to be walking by at that very moment. 
That was such a miracle of a God encounter. God used that to, to encourage me that he was doing that. He was doing, it wasn't like that, but it was similar in our story that he had heard Mimi's prayer. That he had allowed me to be a blessing to the nations. Why is it that while God has so clearly called us to walk in unity among diversity, that the church in America and elsewhere becomes so easily divided over the issue of race? The story of Jesus' hometown folks trying to run him off a cliff sadly seems appropriate for the contentious climate of hate and division of our day. Justin Jabani is the co-founder and president of the ad campaign. And in a Gospel Coalition interview, he addresses the self-serving lies conservatives and progressives tell about themselves around ideas like justice and critical race theory. He says this, If we're ever going to address the race problem faithfully, we must not only confront the lies that offend us, but also the lies that serve us. He goes on to say, some conservatives pretend that Christians lived in a moral golden age before the liberals took over. Some progressives pretend that whiteness is responsible for all, almost all sins and pathologies. And those things might be flattering, but they're lies. There was no golden age of morality in a country that enslaved people and constantly used color as a reason to deny human dignity. I know those are hard words to hear, but but given he points out the lies on both extremes. And, and it's, it's not a sin to be white. We don't have to be ashamed to be white. We are blessed to be a blessing, but we're blessed to be a blessing to all nations. And we can celebrate the goodness of our country. We can celebrate how the gospel has gone forward and we can celebrate the faith and the freedoms that we enjoy. But we must be able to hear uh, Christian brothers and sisters that say, hey, there's some stolen land and there, there was enslaved people that were brought here. And we have to be able to, to hear those things, to face the truth, uh, to celebrate the good. And yet, look at the injustices and evil that have happened. Again, our big idea. The theme of biblical diversity in the ministry of Jesus calls us to repent of any self-righteousness and reflect his glory among all peoples and all nations. It's not easy to do, but we can stand for our convictions. We can stand for God's way and still love people unconditionally. And we need to watch out for the lies that, that social justice, uh, that issues of racism were just a, a liberal or socialist agenda. Long before recent arguments, the facts still stand that oppression, that injustice, that lynchings, that mass incarcerations, that ethnic cleansing, Jim Crow laws, and racism have long been at their demonic work in this country and worldwide. Again, like always, we have to look at the Word of God as our, our final authority. Throughout the Bible, we see that God is a God of social justice. There is the, the quartet of the vulnerable. God is always calling us to four categories. To the poor, to the widow, to the orphan, to the foreigner. God is a God of justice. God is a God of compassion. God is a God that wants his blessings. He wants his favor to rest upon us and be extended to people of all nations. And if we focus on just protecting our interests, then we deny the kingdom of God, the will of God, 
on heaven as, as it should be on earth. So church, we need to watch out for any spirit of self-righteousness and favoritism. We need to watch out for the enemy's work of hatred and division. If we get up in arms about the direction of this country or the, the direction of the world, we need to make sure to, to look around in the spirit of humility. Look around with those that are upset with us and if they all look like us, we need to ask ourselves, what do our other brothers and sisters in the faith believe and think? What do my Christian brothers and sisters around the world, uh, brothers and sisters of color, what do they believe? What do they think? What are their stories? What are they saying? Are we being led by a spirit of love, a spirit of unity and diversity, or a spirit of fear and hate? Again, after we continually seek to humble ourselves and repent of any self-righteousness, we secondly need to seek to reflect the glory of God to all the world. The theme of biblical diversity in the ministry of Jesus calls us to repent of any self-righteousness and to reflect his glory among all peoples and nations. The call of blessing has a very vivid visual imagery here. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. For all peoples and all nations to be blessed. What I've seen in my years of racial reconciliation circle, this is one of the most powerful testimonies of God's healing work of unity amongst diversity. When the light of Jesus comes in, there's nothing like it. And we all know, we all know uh, the, the, the stronghold of the enemy. We all know the spirit of hate and how, how much the enemy wants to pull us to extremes and pull us to the corners of hate. But when Jesus comes in, only Jesus can break the demonic strongholds of injustice, of bitterness, unforgiveness and corporate sins of racism and injustice and all kinds of evil. So we need to be honest and ask ourselves, are we humbly asking for forgiveness and are we seeking to spread the glory of God, the light of Jesus to those around us? When we fought for, for God's unity in these circumstances, I've seen the Spirit of God come. I've seen the Word of God come, and I've seen the light of Jesus fall upon people and do what only he can do. Against the hatred of Jesus' hometown, against the lies of favoritism, God calls us to be a blessing. And God calls us to, to shine that light on all peoples and to, to truly love and to truly celebrate uh, the diversity that we have. We need to celebrate the creator God, the unique gifts, the, the cultural differences, and the manifestation of God's diversity among all people. If the system has worked for us, if we're part of a dominant culture, then don't take away the dignity and self-worth of others and their, their cultural differences and their cultural identity. Just by downplaying race and saying we're all part of a human race. We are saying that. It's we, not us or them. But we need to make sure not to, to downplay. Uh, to live into the cultural lie that has many times discounted people's humanity based on race. The climax of the Bible 
And the history is found in the book of Revelation. And as we have seen, the New Testament emphasizes the, the fundamental unity of, of, of the human race and the equality of all persons created in the image of God. But especially within the church. Again, the words of Pastor Tim Keller. But in the final book, we see a remarkable appreciation for the indelible diversity of human beings. The new Jerusalem will be enriched because the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. And the glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Revelation 21, 24, and 26. We see each culture and race bringing peculiar honors, particular gifts to the Lord in adoring worship. And in Revelation 7, 9, this tells us that the new heaven and the new earth, the people of God will be from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Our bodies are not just discardable containers for the soul. They will be resurrected and much of the pre-resurrection lives will be brought in to the new creation. The resurrection body of Jesus was both new and it contained some of his recognizable like the nail prints in his hands. And so this tells us that resurrection bodies will keep their ethnicity. They're from every tribe, tongue, nation. Final redemption doesn't erase Racial and cultural difference, it celebrates it. Last Saturday, Norbert and I went down to the Union Gospel Mission to, to shoot a video of my friend Samuel Watkins, who has recently been promoted to the director of chaplains. And we're going to end our message today by hearing just uh, his heart, his testimony, his thoughts on race. And I believe you'll be touched and encouraged by by his humility and the spirit of God that's on him. While I was in staff with Union Gospel Mission, we would pray together many Fridays with other staff. And one time we prayed for him. He was given an opportunity to, to pray with the girlfriend of Philando Castillo. If you remember, Philando Castillo was one of the high-profile cases uh, that was shot and killed by a police officer. And this took on national uh, importance. But Sammy got to share the gospel with his girlfriend. And minister to her. And I was able to minister with the family, with the mom and, and sister. And, and the light of Jesus was able to shine in that situation. As you hear the testimony of Sammy, I want you to just think of what a, a miracle the gospel has done in his life. He, he'll share he was in gangs. He was in prison in Chicago. And he didn't share that he was such a leader in the gangs that family members would pay him and his gang to protect their family members in prison. So he had a lot of street cred. But the gospel has changed his life. And so as you listen to this wonderful testimony, as you listen to his encouragement, I want to leave you with this challenge. Will you take some time to reflect and to repent of any self-righteousness. And then would you ask yourself and ask the Lord, how is the light and the glory of Jesus going to shine through you to all people? Enjoy this video, New Hope. Good morning, brothers and sisters from New Hope Church. My name is Samuel Watkins. I'm here at Union Gospel Mission Twin Cities, where I'm the director of chaplains. Um, I just want to share a little bit this morning about uh, how I came to even be sitting here in front of this camera this morning. 
Um, I'm originally from Chicago, born and raised. Uh, the first 17, 18 years of my life, I found myself caught up in gangs, um, drugs, went to prison at 17, came home at 21. Uh, down in Minnesota, about two years after I left prison, and lo and behold, found myself there again in 1995, right? And uh, the, so since then, the Lord in 2000, um, I got saved. A brother shared the gospel with me. Um, I had believed at one point that white people wrote the Bible. They took North America from the Indians uh, with it, my people into slavery. And the Lord met me on a faithful day in 2000 of November, and someone shared the gospel with me, at which time it changed my whole life. That was 21 years ago. And so today, um, again, I'm here at Union Gospel. I spent the last eight years as a transitional housing chaplain, and so now sit as director of chaplains. Uh, look at how God can move in and through a life. And I'm, I'm really honored to be speaking with you today about some of the things that are happening uh, in our nation, and more specifically, right here in the city of St. Paul. Uh, as John invited me to speak today, uh, one of the things that came up is, uh, where do I see uh, things headed in this climate with the division uh, across the nation and across our city. And one of the things I will say is that um, I believe in it that the Lord has really uh, caused the church to really reflect on where we ought to be going. The enemy has thrown this thing of race in there and it's an age old tactic. And I think the church is awakening to that. And uh, I would uh, just encourage my brothers and sisters there uh, to really give uh, some thought, some real prayer around whether the Lord is really speaking to your heart in this issue. As I sit here today, you don't know me. I don't know many of the people that even see this video, but I will say that I am your brother in Christ. You are my brother in Christ. You are my sister in Christ. And that supersedes everything, right? Uh, as I sit here at Union Gospel Mission, I have a unique opportunity every day to share with men, black, white, Hmong, Somalian, coming out of their addictions, chronic homelessness, coming out of prison. And uh, the gospel has no limits when it comes to uh, reaching these guys here. And it's the same where you are. It's the same across this great nation. It's the same across the whole world because the gospel needs to be preached in the four corners of this earth. Uh, the last thing that I would touch on as I have an opportunity to, to share with you is that um, when I think about my ethnicity, right, I think that it's unique. Yeah, we're all uh, made in the image of God. For those who have believed and received Christ, we are children of God, but we are all unique. Uh, as I was talking with Brother John, Revelation 7 came up with John the Revelator, who has get a, got a glimpse of heaven, saying that he saw all people gathered around the throne, all tribes, all tongues, all languages, and all nations. So it doesn't end right here, right? Uh, God has made us unique. I, I think about it like this. If this, I had a fish tank in front of me with a bunch of guppies in it, and all of them were the same color, how exciting would that be? Uh, God is a God of creation. He's a God that has made us unique as individuals. And uh, I appreciate my white brothers and sisters, my natives brothers and sisters, my Somalian brothers and sisters. Uh, man, they add value to me in that. And so we never ever want to diminish uh, the authenticity and the ethnicity that God has created. Um, I appreciate an opportunity to speak with you guys. John Foley and I are really good friends. We go back. He's my dear brother in Christ. And I'm just hoping that this morning as he shares with you guys that the Lord would really uh, speak to your hearts about an issue that uh, we as the church need to tackle. Uh, again, I appreciate an opportunity to speak to you in Jesus name. Amen.